0: The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. We're just coming back from spring break. We have one of my favorite guests with us today. He's been on the program three, maybe four times. Always packed full of great information. Dr. Addison Killeen, say hello. Hey, thanks for having me back on, Patrick. Hey, it's great for you to be here right now. I know you've got so much going on, so thanks for taking the time. I know you're busting dirt and expanding your practice in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska,
1: right? I'm going by memory here. Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of crazy. We are in a little six-operatory space of like 2,000 square feet, and we're going to bust through a wall and expand it with another four operatories. Uh, for another about another 2,000 square feet, and uh, yeah, so the last week it was a jackhammer, literally a, a, about 12 inches from my wall of my hygiene ops and my operatories, and uh, yeah, you know, cutting concrete. You think cutting concrete is that saw just creates tons right. of dust and water mm-hmm. spraying everywhere? Uh, you could hear the gurgle of the water coming underneath the concrete in my rooms, but that wasn't as bad as the jackhammer. The jackhammer yeah. literally a foot from my wall. That's pretty rough. So, but thankfully that was only one day and now we're on to framing and it. it's quieter things. But yeah, I can
0: just imagine for patients that are used to that annoying drill coming from the op next door and now they hear a jackhammer
1: and wonder what the heck's going on with that. that yeah. It's like, well, my associates right over there, you're going to get to meet him here in a minute. And, or uh, yeah. or just a second. I think they borrowed my drill. Let me go grab it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's great. So you've got a new book
0: out and that's part of being busy too. You've got a new book out. Um, go ahead and show the cover of the book. Yeah. So uh it's the front the dental front office manual. Yep. Awesome. And I know you're an SOP guy, you're a strategy guy, you've had a great deal of success. And we're gonna jump back to the book here at the end and we'll tell people how to get their hands on it. Um, why don't you tell me right now? I know and you know on your Addison, um, your com. your consulting business, mm-hmm. your practices are booming, um, coaching, helping practices. What are the
1: problems? What are the issues that that then are should
0: come into you? right now?
1: Uh, I mean, a lot of dentists are just really busy clinically, um, as well as just trying to run their lives. And so, uh, you know, part of the reason why we wrote this book is because a lot of us, we don't have time to, to learn our front office systems and then reteach them to the the front office person that we may be hired. Um, you know, I think the hiring environment is getting a little bit easier. Um, So it's easier to kind of find people, but training them up is still an issue. So this book is the biggest, uh, you know, work of love over the last 12 months to get this out. Um, You know, there's so many ways where us dentists could screw up and basically lose money, whether it's we don't collect money on the front end or we don't collect it on the back end. Um, Or as painful as it is to even say this, to not be submitting insurance claims correctly, to be not billing correctly, or to let sometimes insurances deny treatment when the treatment is really absolutely needed and valid and and true, and we don't fight insurances to provide the right paperwork. Because I think once insurances get the right paperwork, they're like, oh, this actually does make sense. We should pay you for that treatment. And so this book was really, you know. One of the biggest pain points, uh, you know, to solve for me was just making sure that if your front office runs well, it makes your clinical life a lot easier. And then your, your time gets a lot easier. So that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now. Um, but you know, I think what we were talking about earlier too, you know, dentists are booked out right away. like a lot of the folks, it feels like ever since COVID, our schedules have just been really full, um and patients have kind of been pretty demanding of like, why is it taking you a month to get me in for my root canal? It's like, right. So well, I got five other root canals in front of you taking up all my time. So, um, I think that's just a common theme that we're seeing. Um, even though the dental schools are kicking out more, uh, graduates now than they have in 40 years, uh, it's still, you know, it doesn't feel like it's enough some days. Does it feel
0: to you somewhat, and I don't, and I know this is a little off subject a little bit and I, and I'm not, a, I don't like a lot of the fear monitor. right now we're hearing a lot of stuff about the economy and I'm seeing people in my space who send ads out to dentists that go, oh, you know, be prepared that you know, the economy is going to trash. How are you going to survive? And I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I, I, I don't like it at all. I do kind of feel like the market has been overly inflated a little bit with cash, right? I mean, we do have a lot of dentistry going on right now. A lot of treatment has, is being done and has been for a few years, but
1: probably is going to slow down a little bit, do it, it probably will. And if anything, it'll change. It might not be all those, you know, fancy full mouth reconstructions or implant cases. It might just go back to being, you know, billings and slightly more dentures and just the lower end procedures that are more covered by insurances, uh, sure. which, you know, that's it is going to change, but as long as you have at least a wide breadth of knowledge and, you know, thankfully most of us dentists came out, you know, feel pretty good about fillings and crowns and dentures and and whatnot. Um, you know, I think the people that might live on the higher end of the cost per procedure spectrum, um, those folks might see a slow down more than the average dentist. Um, you know, there's, there's also a lot of fear mongering around corporate dentistry and, while that is growing, a growing sector, of course, Um, and it's kind of happening in both, you know, dentistry, medicine, veterinarians, like kind of every, you know, physical therapy shops, you know. Uh, I still think, you know, the private practice dentist is still in a great position to fight that because the crux is the patient and patients always want to know their doctors and feel a connection. And so... I think for most of us, I I don't think we have much to worry about because if we're good at making that connection and being a member of the community, um, I think we're in a good position there.
0: Yeah, I I think that corporate dentistry is actually good for private dentists. I know a lot of people think that's crazy, but take a a long time to to get to, to why that is. But it certainly helps great dentists who know their patients separate themselves and it helps them increase their value compared to those who don't. That's why one of the reasons why I think it's good. I also think it's good that it gives dentists that um, don't want to be in private practice a place to work, and I think that is really, really important too. That dentists have wants a three or four day work week or an amount of vacation time that go work for corporate dentists and not have a lot of the pain points that so many practices have. So I think that's good. So getting back to the book and SOPs, um, I know that writing SOPs is few and far between for most businesses. It doesn't matter if it's a practice or not. I'm in the middle of writing new SOPs for my company and my employees to make it really easy to onboard uh train and keep employees for a long period of time I think SOPs do that how do you how do you besides buying your books how do you um how do you shortcut that what's the best way to start putting together these manuals and SOPs for your practice
1: well i mean i think there's SOPs that like you know as a dentist in the dental practice obviously we are a leader and and you the same in your company you know, we have to set the tone and we have to kind of set the framework. And so that does take a lot of work. It's, there's no shortcutting that, Uh, you know, setting the vision, the mission, the core values, and like, what's our goal and what's our experience supposed to be. But then I think at the next level, like the, the step down rung of like, okay, let's make a detailed picture by picture explanation of how to set the claim or how to uh, run accounts receivable and call those patients who are uh, do for over 90 days, like it's been over 90 days, since they need to pay their bill. Um, I think that level of, um, operating procedure and document really needs to be created by the people doing it. Um, and I always tell my team, I need you to make it so, you know, foolproof or dumb proof that even I could read this document. If you were out sick for the day, like make it stupid enough that I can read it and execute. I could call the patients. What do I say? you know, where, if they do want to pay, where do I put in the money? And is there some other details? And basically I just say, just take screenshots, throw them into a Google document and just go step-by-step of how you do things and then show it to me so that you could on a whim teach anybody with even zero knowledge how to do it. Um, I think if they do that, there's a couple benefits of it. A, they, they take ownership of it. Um, they're not going to do a poor job if you know, if they got, have to show it to you the next day. Um, but also they might also find more quality points of where they can improve the process. So if they can improve it, they're going to improve your practice. They're bringing more value, like exponentially more value than just, you know, uh, rinse and repeating of what they learned somewhere else. So um, I, I like to empower them to do it. And they we just slowly build the operating manual. Um, I like to do it on Google because it's always in the cloud. Google's never going away, so uh, keep it up there. And then I put a link from my practice management system just over to the operations manual table of contents and so that you can kind of look up like, ooh, um, my front office duties list. Okay, here's how to answer the phone calls or here's how to uh, do billing. You know, any of those issues, it's just right there and then I can click on that and that links to my document that has all the pictures and whatnot in it. Yeah. Let's talk about, um,
0: money a little bit. So I think a lot of, a lot of people listen to this show because they're interested in even either making more money or keeping more money. It's kind of the same thing. Um, when it comes down to profitability in your practice, what do you see from practices that you talk to that have great SOPs that have great procedures in place? The owner can open up a manual and know how to land a plane, if you will, um, compared the to the
1: Those that don't, there's a significant difference in the profitability. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I was just talking with someone about this the other day because they were saying, "Well, I do well. You know, I'm I don't need to dig into all this. You know, I have a great team. I'm I'm doing okay. Like, I don't need to dig into this that deeply." Uh, And I, you know, vehemently disagree. Uh, The average dentist in the U.S. makes 68 to 72 percent as their overhead, meaning they make. 28 to 32 percent as the profitability and so the profitability piece we, we know that most dentists um, even if you were in a corporate setting you want to make about 30 percent so that means you as the owner if you're only making 28 to 32 percent you might as well go be an associate somewhere right what you really need to do is get it down to 50 50 or even more now if you're 50 50 and you're paying yourself as a 30 percent producer in the practice and you have a 20% slice of the profit. Um, right. I've even seen as low as consistently like 43% overhead, which means that the owner of the practice is taking about 27% at right. the owner profitability chunk. Um, but really, the only way you get down that low is to be, um you know, they have to be a good leader, but they are also all these people who are in that range are extremely systemized. Um, right, and they're all different kinds of practices. It's not that you have to be, you're not an implant machine or you're not just, a, an orthodontics or Bizline machine. It could be a regular mom and pop shop that just runs really well. Um, and so typically what I see, I always rate practices along a systemization scale, and then of course the profitability scale. And so, you know, black belt means that they are over 80% systemized and at 50% overhead. And usually black belt goes hand in hand. So if you're unsystemized, you know, you're below 50% systemization, then usually your overhead is near that 65 to 70%. Um, and then as you get more systemized, your overhead just drops. Um, and, uh, you know, and that doesn't even, you know, sometimes people say, well, it's because they're increasing production. And actually that is not lockstep. That's it's not one plus the other. Um, it can, you can get your overhead down even without increasing production. It's just, you know, ordering supplies from better places, setting budgets. A lot of us don't, are good at setting budgets. Um, and just making sure people are doing the things they should be doing. You know, sometimes, you know, one example is a lot of folks might pay for a cleaning lady to come in on the weekends or cleaning staff or team or whatever. But that's a couple hundred bucks a week, potentially. Whereas you might have a dental assistant who has downtime during their day. And if you had a downtime checklist that included the entire checklist from the cleaning person on the weekends, and it's done during the week, you're already paying that team member. That's a couple hundred bucks a week that you just saved. So just small things like that, you know, it's a 10th of a percent that just keeps adding up month over month. And over time, when you get more systemized, you'll find you have more time during the day to do more procedures and your life gets easier. I mean, quite honestly, the more systemized I get, the less people kind of come to me with issues like this is broken or, Hey, I'm, I need time off. Yada, yada. I have systems. It's just a not, it's less of a headache to own and run a yes. business. Anybody that could take two weeks off,
0: take a two week vacation and not answer anything in regards to their work has an amazing system in place. Right. I mean, that's kind of the, you know, seven days, right? If, you, if you're there you probably don't need to listen to this episode, right? It's probably a little too late. I mean, if you're there, because I don't know very many people who are, who can literally take that kind of time off, not answer a text, not answer an email, let their entire team know, hey, nobody's to interrupt me and have somebody in place to, ha- to handle um, every little bit of it. Something else, you know, I'll tell you in SOPs where I'm seeing a big, a, a huge difference maker is new employees and keeping employees, right? If they have great SOPs to follow, you don't have to train them. They've got the SOP, right? If they have downtime, they've got an SOP and they know how to do things that um, they wouldn't have otherwise been taught because you didn't have the time to tell them. They're happier. They're more content. They feel like they're doing the job better and they're going to stick around better. That first week, that first two weeks, that first month, I think is the biggest indicator of how long someone's going to be um, around for it.
1: But, and kind of, you know, with with families at home, with kids, when the kid isn't given any direction, they act out, They don't know what, they don't know what success looks like. They don't know, oh, if I eat my dinner, then I get dessert. Or if I behave well, then, you know, I get a reward. It's the same thing in our dental practices. If the team members don't know what success looks like and what's expected of them, then they start maybe going back to like, oh, I'm just going to search my phone or I'm not going to listen or I'm not going to focus on being better. And then that's when, you know, bad things happen in general. They become disaffected. They might leave the job, whatever. Right. So the more that you give them a, a rubric, a, a training, and we call it the 30, 60, 90, what the check-ins we do at 30 days, 60 days, 90 to see like, how are you improving? How are you getting there? Um, the more that they will become a, a happy, engaged worker and hopefully stay for a long time. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: You know, years ago, as was prior 10 years ago, I was flipping through the channels. It was on, I don't even know what day of the weekend across one of the network had this like tv show where they had like this financial guru i don't remember her name at the time but like people would go to her and she would look at all their finances and you know yell at them and on this program um there's a a couple of parents have like four or five kids both are working full-time jobs and um you know kids are in daycare a couple of them in daycare and on and on and on and they're just barely getting by and this guru goes through all their finances and looks at everything and says, did you know that if the mom in this family who wanted to stay home, who wishes she had more time for the kids, she said, did you know, if you actually saved home, you would save $200 per month by not working. She said, if, you know, if because you wouldn't have the stay care cost, you wouldn't have the transportation cost, the insurance costs went on and on. And the lady starts bawling, you know, just starts crying. Like, I can't believe we've been doing this for so long. Right. And. Didn't have to do all this, right? We didn't have to set, make all these sacrifices. We would have been financially better off. And he's, you know, it was pretty impactful segment. I wish I to remember what the show was, but I dentists that are doing this, right? I've had guests on the show that say, hey, you know what? There's a way to net an extra million dollars of your career by just making these little subtle changes. When you're looking for an expert to help you build these SOPs so you don't end up like with those parents in hindsight crying because these tiny little mistakes you had made were actually huge mistakes. Um, how do you find an expert like yourself to help them?
1: Well, I mean, one thing is, you know, I helped co-found and own the Dental Success Network, uh, the DentalSuccessNetwork.com. I mean, that's where I teach on this stuff all the time. Um, it's great because you get myself, but you also get a bunch of other black belt coaches in our group, um, that help, uh, just pass along the wisdom, you know, people that are in the trenches, just like you that are doing the same thing. Um, so that's a great way. Obviously the books are a great way as well. Um, you know, to connect with us and just learn the the best systems. Um, for those that need a little bit more coaching, handholding, and maybe want a more of a mastermind type community. Uh, we do have the Dental Success Institute, the elite practice mastermind and that, uh, Mark Costas, Dr. Mark Costas leads that. Um, he's an amazing teacher and coach as well. And so, um, Yeah, so we kind of have all different ways to kind of connect with us and learn the information. The best thing about it is that um, in the Dental Success Network, we actually give away all of, you know, the the SOPs that we've been running on uh, that I created, that some of our other Black Belt uh, Mastermind members have created as well. Um, And, you know, so you could join DSN to download a bunch of that stuff. And then even with each book, um, it does give you, uh, a QR code so you can da- download those exact documents that um, the documents with the books are a little bit different and upgraded from kind of everything else. But uh, those uh, basically it goes through, you know, how to use them, um, what to do and that sort of thing. And, yeah. You know, it's worked well for me. I mean, I started up my practice in 2019, six months before the pandemic from zero. And so, you know, I built everything from scratch. And so I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are young hungry and maybe they're thinking of doing a startup and it's you know I still look back and it was the best decision I ever made is to you know open this little test kitchen and uh, I've made plenty of mistakes um, but I always take that as an opportunity to just improve and uh, and it's been fun and so now I think I've got a pretty darn good system from coaching it for a few hundred people as well as having my own little test kitchen yeah that's awesome I've read two of the books. I have three. I've
0: read two of them. I haven't read the 30 of a great format, did a really wonderful job putting it together, um, putting them all together. Uh, so kudos to you for on that. Uh, kudos to you for that. Um, one more time, your main website, and I know they can get everywhere. They, where they need to go from addisonkilleen.com.
1: Any other websites that we them to check out? Uh, no, just, uh, dental com is where, uh, you know, is our little community, but addisonkilleen.com is where I'm. On most of the time as well. Awesome. Dr. Colleen, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Patrick.